welcome to the Scary Movie List Show. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Whenever it is you're listening to this. If even if it's like Christmas or Easter. Yeah, happy it's Halloween, Halloween every anyway. day. That's right. Always Halloween. I got some candy right here. You can hear it. Let's see what I got here. Skittles. That's for later. Save it for later. Okay. This episode is called It Happened on Halloween Night. So for this list, we came up with and watched movies where the main plot happens on Halloween night. Yeah. You would think that there's a ton of them, uh, but it actually was a little bit of a narrower scope than I anticipated. Yeah, we even, some of these, like the beginning of it may take place the day before Halloween, but most of the movie, as long as it took place on Halloween and was focused around the Halloween holiday, we got a good collection of those and and gave them a watch. All right, so I have a little trivia before we get started. In Halloween Part 3, Season of the Witch, what company is selling the masks? If you've seen this movie, they say it a number of times. Uh, you might just have to think about the jingle to, to remember it. Yeah, but, I'm trying not to ruin it right now. Uh, yep, we are going to keep moving. Tight-lipped, okay. Yep, yep. Okay, so what was our first movie on the list this week, Kyle? I think... Uh, a good handful of these people may expect. This one may be in particular, but we watched Hocus Pocus from 1993, directed by Kenny Ortega. So just a reminder, not all of these movies are like what we would consider necessarily like horror movies, but they have scary elements. So we will talk a little bit about that in some of these because we have some lighter fare in this mix. Right. Um, we do know that we have a few listeners who have kids, so maybe this is one that you start them out on. So the synopsis of this movie is the Sanderson sisters are awoken when a virgin lights a black flame candle. Now a brother-sister duo and the brother's crush, with the help of a talking black cat, must protect the town while figuring out how to banish the witches again. This is a personal Halloween favorite. We watch this almost every single year. It's yeah. pretty hard to avoid if you, you know, turn on the TV because it's always playing, but it's so good. Yeah, this is a classic. I mean, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And it actually started as an idea with the producer or a story with the producer who would tell his kids. Um, and it moved on after it was pitched to become a script by first by Mick Garris. I don't know if you know who Mick Garris is mm -hmm. out there, but he's... Pretty legendary in the horror community. He did a good handful of Stephen King adaptions. He's got a great podcast himself. But it was originally pretty dark. It was a darker, scarier movie. And then they eventually lightened it up. It was also, it was filmed in Salem, a good chunk of it. A lot of it was on sets, but they actually filmed some in Salem and around Massachusetts, which is cool. That is very cool. It's a place that you and I have talked about trying to visit for Halloween weekend yeah. at some point in our lifetime. Like that's a bucket list item for us for sure. So while this is essentially a kid's movie, there are a couple things that really stuck out to me that I remember as a kid watching being kind of freaked out by. One of them was the spell book. The spell book has like this eyeball on it and it kind of like looks around and opens and closes and things and it's very... I don't know. It was kind of creepy. Yeah, there are pretty spooky elements to this, but it's a, it's almost, I think it's a pretty perfect balance of that in a lot of ways to where it has the fun elements of lighter, just kind of spooky Halloween stuff. And there is some 
pretty decent horror elements in this too, with some of the makeup and the characters and the premise as well. But like you said, with the book, there's some weird stuff with the eyeball looking around and zombies and yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the zombie for a second. Uh, Billy Butcherson, I think, is his name. Yeah, and uh, he has his mouth sewn shut, which is such like a, I don't know, like an iconic like Halloween kind of thing. Yeah, you for see. most of the movie. A lot of people. Oh, yes. Yeah. He does eventually break it open, doesn't he? Or no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the end. So I think it's funny, too, because he has a backstory. And this is the first time that I've ever watched this movie that I actually picked up on what happened to him and why he's like this. But apparently he was cheating on Winifred. Like they were together at some point. Mm -hmm. And one mm -hmm. of the sisters caught him cheating on her. And uh, they decided to poison him and sew his mouth shut. Yeah, he was cheating on her with uh, Sarah. Oh, he was cheating on her with another sister? Yeah, yeah. I thought sure. that it was another sister caught him cheating on the other sister. So, like, Sarah saw it and decided to do something about it. But I don't know. And he was played by Doug Jones, who is a pretty, again, another legend in horror. He's the man in the monster makeup in a lot of movies. A lot of Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro movies. Oh. I also love that this takes on kind of the same thing that you see in a lot of kids' movies where they take the adults sort of out of the equation. So the kids have to like save the day. And they do that in this movie by having Winifred put a spell on the all of the town's adults because they're all at a party. I get, yeah, I guess every single adult <laughs> yeah. in the town is at this dance party. And so she puts the spell on them and it makes them dance the whole night. And so they're all like trapped in this like sweaty dance off thing that's going on. And so now it's just the kids that are left out on the streets to uh, really try to figure out how to put these witches back in their place. Yeah, that is a cool thing because when you're watching it as a kid, it feels like you're in the adventure with them. There's not an adult presence who's not a villain <laughs> sure telling them what to do or leading them along the way this is all of them figuring it out themselves so there's there's a lot of nostalgia for me with this movie and I, I don't know i was nine or ten when this came out and i remember being kind of spooked by it mm -hmm. uh, especially with winifred i don't know there's something in my head oh, i, I had yeah. some very spooky images of, she's just so evil yeah bet midler it was amazing. They're all amazing in this movie, all the witches. But but yeah, some great Halloween nostalgia for me watching this. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an every year watch. It's just a fun, but still has that tinge of spookiness to it. That feels safe. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. It's certainly, I think, one of the best like Halloween adventure movies. It's right up there with like Halloween Tree and some of those other. Uh, very classic Halloween films. Yeah. I also think the music is really great. There's a lot of music-oriented yeah. things here with Bette Midler's I Put a Spell on You and also Sarah singing to the kids mm -hmm. to put the spell on them as they all walk towards the their house. But also the music is really good with the movie. Yeah. Just the score itself. It's very adventurous. Mm -hmm. It moves you from piece to piece. Uh, but it also knows when to be silent which I think is important too. Uh, but yeah, just a lot of really great qualities around the music. 
Yeah. It's it really has like every element is working for it. Like it's a very perfect movie in that way. All right, Kyle. So what uh, do you want to give Hocus Pocus on the whole Friedemeter score? I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, that's high. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it, it. how I've been trying to gauge these, at least this season, is five is like the hump point of the hill of spookiness. And I think it still just sits on the top there for me to where it doesn't go down into terrifying territory right. over that hump. But I still do remember and have nostalgic feelings about it feeling a little spooky. But it's also, it's more fun than anything now. Sure. I'm going to give it a three, mainly because of Billy Butcher's Uh He still kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I think this movie is very special, and it has a very special place in my heart, for sure. Um, I know they've been playing around with the idea of making a second one. Yeah, I think that's already uh, on its way. Oh, man. They're working on that. Would really, I cannot wait to see that. Or it could just be completely ruined and horrible. It's possible. I've, <laughs> I mean, at one point I thought Tina Fey was supposed to be working on it or something, or there was a script. Yeah, there's some rumors around that, but I don't know if it's... Uh, if anything came of that, or maybe it was changed. Either way, I'm excited about it, and I hope it happens one of these days. So what's next on the list? Next, we watched Night of the Demons from 1988, directed by Kevin S. Tinney. And this was a first watch for me. Same. And, and I think this this is a cult classic. There's a lot of people that may have seen or know about this movie. But there's some cheesy fun to be had with this one. Yeah, so let me it. jump into the synopsis okay. before we get there. A group of punk teens go to a Halloween party at a place called Hull House, which is a funeral home where a massacre happened on a Halloween before. The result? Possessions, crazy makeup effects, weird sexy dancing, and a whole lot of 80s feels. Yeah, that sums it up. Yeah. Well, it's maybe not the best movie to sit down and take notes on, which is exactly <laughs> what we did. It's a, It would be a great movie to put on in the background of a party because it has these moments where, you know, if you're watching a movie at a party, how you're not completely tuned into it. But you do tune into those like wild moments where it's like, what the hell is this? Because it has these very stark images. There's moments of like strobe light demon dancing. There's just, I don't know, some extreme jump scares and things that aren't like super scary, but it's like it would get your attention if you're at a party. Like I noted that there was a hug jump scare in this movie, uh. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty fantastic. There's also some really great quotes. So again, watching it with friends would make a lot of sense. Like, for instance, uh, one character asked another one, have you ever made it in a coffin? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we got some hormone-heavy teenagers roaming around in a funeral home, basically, is what we have. Yeah. What makes this work, I think, is the makeup. I think that that's what, whenever it's revealed, you know, as the as they start turning into or being possessed by demons, they all have a different look. Instead of all having the same, like, eyebrow piece or, like, their mouth looks the same. Sure. You know what I mean? They, they all yeah. have, like, their very specific look, with that, which I think is a smart choice. Right. To switch it up and give different moments for different characters. It feels more colorful in that way. It kind of also it feels like Evil Dead. Yes. Really. Yeah. It's kind of a slightly a rehash of that, I think. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No. It's got its own thing going. 
it being in the late 80s and have some pop culture and fashion uh, tied into it. But yeah. Right. I think also the art direction in this is wild. There's like some really great, I mean, it's supposed to be a funeral home, but it's like some great like mixes of weird Victorian aesthetic with like some kind of what looks like classic Halloween decorations along with just, again, that chaos of the 80s, the colors, the like very radicalness of what's going on. And so I don't know, it was such a fun mix and they have such really interesting like set pieces. Like they have this brick wall that for some reason suddenly has closed and they have no way out. The house itself feels like a haunted house. Yeah. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. that it has a lot going for it in that very classic, like this would be a good Halloween party movie. Yeah, I think I would throw this in my 80s rotation, 80s horror flicks. Sure. It's a lot of fun. I think you're right about like the set pieces and the art direction. I think one of my favorite scenes was when they're running away from one of the demons who's in the black dress. Oh, right. And they're running down the hallway and she just is essentially floating down the hallway, just looking creepy. Yeah. It's <laughs> like they put her on roller skates or something and yeah. gave her a shove. <laughs> I love that. Just kind of floating instead of her walking or running, her floating towards them and smiling is something that's more creepy. Yeah. And the makeup is really great there, too. Uh, So I had a lot of fun with this one. I agree. It was a really good time. And you know what? You always key on the music. This one had some crazy fun music as well. Again, it's like very punk and like uh, 80s and radical in your face stuff. Yeah. And I think it worked really well for the aesthetic of what this thing is. For sure. One thing that I noted also about this movie, though, is that almost every character is a bit of a slime ball. So we start off with like this girl who's of course getting dressed we always have to see every woman in this movie for some reason naked at some point so again if you're into that kind of thing there you go you've got a lot of it we're in the Uh, 80s yeah (laughs) but uh she has a a suitor that is coming (laughs) she has a boyfriend that's coming to pick her up to take her to this halloween party but there's another guy that's interested in her named sal And Sal has decided to show up. I think he's an ex-boyfriend or something, but he's just like a greaser sort of looking guy. Yeah. And I I noted like at the beginning of the movie, he comes across as kind of like, like he almost sees her as his property or something. Like he's like, oh, I'm going to take her out for Halloween or whatever. She doesn't know it yet. Yeah, she doesn't know know it yet. That's that would be. Yes, that seems like kind of in that spirit. But then by the end of the film, we kind of hate this boyfriend of hers. Uh, because he's like just wanting to get on anyone. That's true. Yeah, when he sees another girl just in some type of cubby hole or room and whatever. Topless. This, yeah, just hanging out topless. He's like, oh, I'm going to go hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just like, oh, just well, here's a, here's a different blonde girl. Yeah. So yeah, that was a little weird. And it was like, I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for. But by that point, I was like, I guess I like Sal again. Uh yeah, I don't know. All of the characters in their own capacities were kind of terrible human beings. Yeah, and I think in that way, you were fine with them possibly getting possessed and turned into demons because of that. <laughs> so you're not necessarily latched on to one character that you really care about. There is like that one innocent female character. I guess it would be the lead, like you were talking about at the yeah. beginning, that I guess we were supposed to... I don't know. Um follow and want to survive, (laughs) but it's more about the journey, I guess. Sure. 
All right. Are you ready to score this one? Yeah. Okay. What do you give it on the Friday meter? Okay. I'm going to give it a six because I can't say that Hocus Pocus was scarier than this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give it a six because of, there's some good imagery in the makeup. There's some good gore effects that can make you squeamish. Yeah. The eye gouge is pretty insane. Oh, yeah. I forget about that. Uh, but it could be scary and creepy in some moments. So I'm going to give it a six. I'll agree with your six for all the same reasons. So what's next on the list? All right. Next, we watched <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid <laughs> from 1991. All right. So the synopsis of this, if you're not familiar. Yeah. If you haven't seen Ernest Scared Stupid, just stop listening to this podcast, please. Yeah. You're not invited anymore. I'm just kidding. Please keep listening. I was going to say, like, suddenly all of our listener drop off is just <laughs> like, it's like a plateau completely yeah. off the other edge. Ernest accidentally reawakens a troll who turns kids into wooden figures and puts them in a tree to grow into new pods that become more trolls. <laughs> <laughs> now he must save a town that doesn't believe in him nor the terror that is brewing in the woods. Oh, boy. <laughs> I remember watching this when I was a kid. Uh, so this was one of the movies that I saw when I was younger, you know, less than less than 10 maybe around 10 or 12. Uh, I remember thinking it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it is still funny. It holds up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in a weird way. In a weird way. Um, <laughs> but Ernest, Jim Varney, playing Ernest, it's a classic character, I think. I mean, it's. It. I feel like it is that he is kind of like a blue-collar comedy character. Right. So it has that kind of blue collar feel to it, but it's not making fun of a specific type of person. No, it's, it's just, just he, him. It's just him. It's just, <laughs> he just is Ernest the character, village idiot. Who is also just a middle-aged man working as a waste management person <laughs> who hangs out with the kids in the town. Yeah, why is he hanging out with kids so much? I don't know. I mean, I think that... <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be a weird thing uh, because it is a kid's movie, but watching it as an adult, you're kind of like, okay. Yeah. Hanging out with a local garbage man is is totally cool. <laughs> Apparently. He's a teddy bear. He's fine. Yeah. He wouldn't he hurt anybody except for trolls. To, except for trolls. I actually noted that possibly the scariest thing about this movie is that it's up to Ernest to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the fully capable sheriff who seems like he knows what he's doing doesn't come in to do anything until like the last 20 minutes of the movie. And even then he's like, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, he even gets like a troll steals his gun and is shooting it. At, or no, no, no. They eat the bullets, eat the bullets. Yep. and then they're paddling it out of the other guy's head. Yeah, he's hitting him with a, them. with a club in the back of his head and it shoots the bullets out of his mouth. <laughs> So that's what we're dealing with here. So, of course, my favorite character in this is Rimshot. Oh, Rimshot. Trusty Rimshot. Ernest P. Whirl's little doggy. Yes. It's his best friend, too, which is also kind of heartbreaking at one point. Yeah. It makes <laughs> for a really great, like, all hope is lost moment where you think that Rimshot, like, he's goner. He's a goner. He's been turned to wood. In my opinion, that in that scene, that's when you fall in love with Ernest. Yeah. I think just because you see how 
devastated he is and how much he loved that dog as his best friend. Yeah. He's like, like he there's, couldn't... there's nobody coming out of the tree for me. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. God. Yeah, you're right. You kind of forget that Rimshot was taken. You know, it's been a little bit of time has passed or whatever. And then you realize, oh, yeah, everyone else has their kids. And poor Ernest only has this dog. Yeah, wouldn't you be devastated if your dog that very much can drive a full-size truck? <laughs> I forgot about that. Wouldn't scene. you be devastated if uh, if he wasn't around anymore? Yeah, I mean, who's going to drive the garbage truck or yeah, he was... save him whenever he gets put in the, the trunk of the, like, with the, all the garbage? Oh, yeah. But yeah, he drives the pickup truck, too, whenever... <laughs> That really awesome chase scene when the the troll was chasing after Ernest in the truck. So one thing that I had forgotten that is part of Ernest's like shtick is his like multi personality thing that he does, where he's suddenly like an old woman who's very judgmental, and then he's like an an Air Force pilot that like is very brave. Yeah, a lumberjack as well. <laughs> um, I think a Shakespearean actor. I think as well. Yeah. Now that really works for this movie because it's Halloween. So That's it's true. like he puts on a bunch of different costumes and does his thing, which is entertaining. Is Ernest just a very colorful personality or is he mentally ill? <laughs> I don't know. Is that ever answered in any of these Ernest movies? No, I don't think so. I'm just joking. I mean, he's just he's just a lovable weirdo. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That shtick of him dressing up as different characters and carrying out a scene. That happens a few times. So I feel like that's kind of a hallmark of what he used to do. So we've talked a lot about Ernest, but we haven't talked a lot about these villains, the trolls. Oh, yeah. The trolls have such an interesting look. Uh, they have the snot kind of coming out of their nose and running down their face, and they just look really gross. And I thought at one point when we had multiple trolls there at the end, I turned to Kyle and I said, these look a little like the killer clowns from outer space. You would be right. Because the Chiodo brothers who directed Killer Clowns from Outer Space and also did the creature design there, did the creature design work for this movie. Oh, my God. My mind is exploding. But you're right. They do. There's a couple of them that look like the killer clowns from outer space, just the exaggerated features and just the way that their mouth and ears and nose are. Those are some really good character designs. Like there's a lot of just weird looking trolls in this and like they lean into it mm -hmm. and there's at least, I don't know, 17, 20 trolls that come out at the end and they all look different and they all look insane and gross. There you go. So maybe if you want a Shioto brother double feature, watch this. Watch yeah, Ernest yeah that'd be stupid. a good night. That'd be a good night. And killer clowns from outer space. You better plan on having the popcorn ready for that. All right, Kyle, are you ready to score this thing? Yes. Okay, what do you give it? I would give it a three. A three on the Friday-meter Friday score for Ernest Scared Stupid? Yes. <laughs> there's some moments with the trolls. Like, there's a moment when a girl wakes up in her bed and there's a troll next to her when oh, she yeah, wakes up. Oh, yeah, that was creepy. That's some creepy stuff. And just the troll in general. Really crazy makeup. And has some really good featured shots of how gross he is and snotty. But not as scary as Hocus Pocus. Not as scary as Hocus Pocus. Wow. All right. Well, 
I am going to give it uh, a four on the Fredometer score, which is slightly, I think, more scary than Hocus Pocus, but mostly for the goo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This movie's really gooey. Oh, you know what? I'm also going to I'm going to double down on that score because of the uh, not really a witch, but like the I don't know what to call her. The lady that lives out in the woods. Oh, yeah. It was played by Eartha Kitt. We didn't even talk about her. Classic character actor or just actor in general. Yeah. She's creepy in this. Yeah, what was her name? Grandma something? I don't know. I am unsure. But she mm. has some wild hair and like she comes across as creepy, but she's actually really helpful throughout this movie. Yeah. Always trust the elders in town. Okay, so what's next on our list for Halloween night? I love that we're jumping from an earnest movie to this movie because it's just so much more intense <laughs> as a horror movie. Uh, we watched Haunt from 2019. So Haunt is about some people who go to a haunted house on Halloween and it turns out to be a little more than haunted. That's very vague. But that's how I'm going to explain this movie. Yeah, and this was written and directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who were also the writers of A Quiet Place, the first one. And apparently they were writing both of those movies at the same time. Interesting. This movie is good. Oh, yeah, I think it's a good horror flick, and it's a good idea. Um, I think it's been done a couple of times where teenagers or 20-somethings go into an extreme haunt and then... Will they survive? Right. But this one's done with a little bit more care and uh, the characters are likable. Yeah. And I do like the villains ultimately too. They do shed a certain light onto the villains. It's not just some supernatural thing, but I do like how they handle the villains. Yeah. I think that this movie has a lot going for it. It almost has escape room type qualities about this haunted house because there are some elements where they have to figure things out to get in or out. And they really put you on the edge of your seat in a lot of moments where you, it's not that you know what's going to happen. It's just that you know that something scary is probably going to be unlocked. And as they go through this haunted house, they start to realize more and more that this is real. It's not that there's a theater behind it. It's that people are really being kind of murdered in front of them in these kind of theater-esque shows whenever a a friend of theirs is captured or whatever. So the stakes get really high very quickly, and um, it allows for them to create these moments like there's a second when – One of the characters is alone and she has to get a key to get out of a room and she is uh, turning a little crank on like a jack-in-the-box, a really creepy looking jack-in-the-box. And you just know that this jump scare is coming. But like my heart was like, it was like my heart stopped because I knew that this thing was coming. (laughs) It It was creeping me out so much. I almost couldn't watch. Yeah, you're right. There's some really good set pieces that move you along the story. And I think that it almost puts you in the haunted house with them Yeah, because of that. Just the way that they are designing these scares. And also just the way that the, the haunted house is designed as they're going through it. How it's split up into different sections. And like you said, it's almost like an escape room where one section they have to crawl. Uh Uh, 
one section, it is just a maze that right. they have to find their, their way through. There's a section where it's uh, there's a leafy or a forest type section mm-hmm. um, that they have to get through. So they do this thing where some of the rooms or when they first get started feels generic. Right. But then they throw you into something really horrific pretty mm-hmm. quickly and it feels dangerous yeah. right away. Yeah. That's pretty smart. Yeah. That mix of is this real or is this not uh, really helps helps build it. And then they also play with them a little bit. The villains, the people who are running the haunted house. Uh, allow them, for instance, to have the keys. And they're like, oh, you're hurt? That's not good. Like, no one's supposed to get hurt in here. And you just don't know who to trust. You don't know who's going to help you and who's going to hurt you. And there's just, I don't know, it's it's a very, very creepy, scary movie. I think it's built in a very great way. And one of the characters has had some trauma. Mm -hmm. So they do play with that a little bit as well. Actually, they play with a lot of the fears of the people who are coming. But I don't know if that was the people who made the haunted house researched them or it just happened to be something that they were afraid of. Yeah, I don't know. I know that it seemed like because they were able to get their IDs at the very beginning of the film, uh, so they then knew where they lived. They knew their names. They could do all kinds of research if they wanted to, to really screw with these people. They didn't do a ton of it. Right. It's not like a scene where a guy's like afraid of spiders and then there's like a room of spiders. Right. There's just little moments to where they seem to have learned something about these people. But it's a whim, though. That's another thing. They go to this haunted house on a whim. Right. They don't know about them before. Right. I mean, I think it's also possible that they're being watched while they're in there. So like the one girl that is afraid of spiders, because there is a moment where there's a girl afraid of spiders and then they dump spiders on her. It is seems possible that they realize like they were watching on security cameras or something. Right. Saw that she's spooked out by that. And they're like, we're going to get her. Yeah. So maybe the character who had the trauma because she went through that, she was able to tap into something to survive mm-hmm. more so than the other people. And that kind of comes back at the end of the movie as well. Yeah. It has but, a really great ending, I think. Yeah. Like it feel it felt very satisfying. Whereas a lot of times with scary movies like this, I feel like it's like, oh, well, that person's going to be messed up for a while. Like, you know, what, what do they mm-hmm. do next? But they really capped this one off very well. And I feel like it was unpredictable. They did some things that I didn't see coming. Yeah. To where the story was going. Mm-hmm. and where the scares were going right? and who the people are who are doing this to them. Yeah. It's unpredictable, and I th- thought that was pretty refreshing. Yeah. I think that I was surprised by Haunt. I think that it's it's much better than I anticipated. I think if I would have seen a trailer for this movie or had I been familiar with it at all, you're the one who recommended, like, oh, let's put this on the list. I don't know that I would have, like, gone looking for it but i would actually i would highly recommend checking it out if you're into scary movies for sure all right what would you like to give it on the old Friedometer? i want to give it an eight i agree with an eight i'm also giving it an eight so i think we've already said a lot of why we think it's it's good or why mm-hmm. it's scary but the way that they design the haunted house to where it feels accessible it's not like it's something super extravagant right you know 
it feels like something you could go to like whatever your local fire department or whoever's putting on a haunted house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You could maybe find that in an abandoned warehouse somewhere in the town that you live in. It could be anywhere. And it's not something that is super, is for like the super rich or is made again, really extravagantly. And the scares and the violence that happens is pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. I will say as I was watching this, the moment that I realized this movie might be too scary for me <laughs> was when they had to crawl into the dark hole thing. Like it was part of the the haunted house. And I was like, I would not do that. I remember you saying that. You're like, nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> I would have turned around and been right out of there. So no thank you to any haunted houses where you have to crawl on all fours in a little tiny space. Oh, not into fun. That. I'm sorry. You can go. You'll lanky go guy. By <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's next up on the list? I think we have one set of movies to top it all off. Yeah, we're talking about Halloween night. I feel like we have to talk about a Halloween movie. Yeah. With Michael Myers. So what we did was we watched the new version of Halloween, mm -hmm. uh, 2018. The first one just called Halloween. And we also recently watched Halloween Kills, which came out, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Sure. Based on the recording of this podcast. So we're combining them together because ultimately, if you don't know, it's going to be a trilogy. And the third movie called Halloween Ends is going to wrap up this trilogy. So we're putting these two together because they do feel like a continued story. And it's because they all happen on the same night. Right. It's Amen. all Halloween. That's right. So yeah, if you haven't tapped into Halloween Kills, we're going to try not to spoil anything for you. Um, I think that it probably in the trailer alone has mentioned probably that this is a continuation of the same night as the other movie. So let's talk about Halloween first here. Uh, Laurie Strode is raising her kid to protect themselves because she's dealt with some stuff. Um, she is an adult and lives on a compound that she has built that will protect her from any evil, I guess, but mostly Michael Myers. Uh, Michael Myers is in a, an insane asylum, and he escapes while being transferred. Uh, this is exactly 40 years after his last killing spree, and he's now on the loose in Haddonfield again. Yeah, so this this new version of Halloween, the first one in 2018, is technically it's not acknowledging any of the Halloween sequels other than the original from 1978. So it's just the first Halloween back in the late 70s from John Carpenter and then the continuation of that story for 2018 Halloween and Halloween Kills from this year. So just giving an idea of like what they're hanging on to as far as canon at this point. Yeah, now they do have some tiny, tiny references to some of the other films, though. Yeah, you're right. Um, for instance, the the Halloween Part 3, which is part of our trivia, those three masks that are in that film, they yeah, the make witch, a presence. the skull, and the jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. yeah, they make a presence in one of these. So mm -hmm. they definitely, you can tell that the director is certainly making nods to where uh, Halloween has come from. Yeah, this was directed by David Gordon Green, who also wrote it with uh, Danny McBride. Hmm. And I think there were a couple of other co-writers, forgive me. But 
yeah, this is their story and they're taking the reins to try to bring it into the modern day. I do think it's scary. Yes. Uh, it's, it, and I like how they bring Michael back and how he makes his way back to Haddonfield. It starts his night of carnage. Right. <laughs> In both movies. I will say the new Halloween is more of a setup film. Sure. Showing us what everybody's doing, showing us what Laurie is doing, who Michael is at this point, and introduces us to the new characters. And then Halloween Kills really just sets Michael Myers loose <laughs> on the town. Well, you know, I'll argue actually that I think that while you're right, they do set the scene with the first film. The first film is also very, very important in that it really tells us how Laurie has dealt with the trauma. It's very much Laurie Strode's movie. Um, and we get to meet all of her family. But also for a, a new director to come into a franchise that's this big, that is this well-loved mm -hmm. by fans, and to be able to present it in a way that is so, it feels so true to the past films. Like it feels like the aesthetic, the art direction, the you know, the fog that's kind of misting through on Halloween night and these long flowing takes where we watch Michael go like into a garage or a shed and grab a tool and then go into a house and just murder the shit out of a bunch of people. Yeah. And then like just walk out onto the street and join the trick-or-treaters like nothing ever happened. There's so much of that that feels so true to what was before it that I... I would never write this movie off as just like, oh, yeah, it's just a setup. It feels very much like a great continuation of a story presenting all of this information. But it's I, I liked I don't know which one I liked better, honestly, uh, the first one or the second one. And I know there's a lot of arguments for people not liking the second one. Not, as not much. liking Halloween Kills. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think that they both work really, really well together. And I think that they work really well in the franchise in general. So maybe... While it is setting the scene, it's also, I think, giving everybody who loves Halloween a bit of a vote of confidence that this trilogy is going to be for them, and it's going to be very married to all of the things from before. Yeah, you're totally right. It, it, it does do a decent amount of setup, but the relationships between the characters are very important and showing the style of what they're bringing to the franchise, you're totally right, is important to where we're going. And I think what a lot of people may not, from what I've heard people won't like about Halloween Kills is that it's not really Laurie Strode's movie. No. And it moves to being more about the town and how the town has dealt with all of this over the last 40 years and being threatened by Michael Myers and it being a dark cloud that is just over the town the whole time and how they've decided to do something about it. And I think that may throw people off of what they're expecting. Yeah, you're right. Halloween Kills very much became a movie of the survivors of previous Michael Myers attacks. Yeah, that's true. And they band together to try to take him on. And I think that that's super interesting. The headcount is incredibly high, way higher. Super brutal too. Yeah. Brutal kills. But what I really, really like about Halloween Kills is that it takes a lot of the things that we build in the first film and 
it twists it all into the same night. So there's some moments where we see characters that are doing something that seems very menial in the first film. And then they come back in the second film and are they're kind of a main character. For instance, we see this doctor and nurse in the first film. They're just getting in the car. And there's a moment where this sexy nurse is like about to get in the car by herself. And Michael is like walking toward her really slowly. And you think, oh, man, he's just going to like murder her right there in front of her house while her husband or boyfriend or whatever goes back into the house. And then, no, he comes out and he jumps in the car and they take off. And then here they are at the beginning of Halloween Kills right in the middle of it. Uh, We take a lot of the characters that somehow either not phased or somehow avoided any of the carnage of the first film and we throw them right into the mix. Uh, in the second movie. And I think it's it's really fun to see how they're world building with this. And so I'm really interested to see what they do with the third one mm-hmm. because of it. Yeah, I dig it. And I like the way that they're slowly deteriorating Michael <laughs> in a way because they introduced his mask in the new Halloween. Mm-hmm. And you've seen trailers or posters from Halloween Kills. His mask is all burnt and messed up. Right. So I feel like they're leading to like, this is, there is an arc to what's happening to this character. It, I, I think it's still unpredictable because is he unstoppable? Can they do anything about him? But he's almost like this train that's been on this track for a long time and going through this forest that's just like beating it up and destroying it or trying to stop it in a way, but it's just never going to stop until it gets to the end of the track, whatever that may be. And I like that idea to where it's not just a new fresh mask for every new sequel. Right. Like all the masks look different in most of the Halloween sequels, mm-hmm. the ones before it. Like it's telling a story. They're using that as a storytelling device to further his character along. I think that's really interesting too. And almost giving his seal of approval in a way, John Carpenter comes back and does the music. He does the music with his son, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies. It's almost the last piece of the puzzle that is necessary to make these new movies work. All right, Carrie, what is your Friday meter for both of these until, I guess, we get the the third movie? All right, so a combined score? Yeah. I'm going to give them an eight. I think that there's some really scary things going on. There's some great jump scares. Um, Michael is just a force and there are so many times that you are watching him and you're like please don't do that please don't do that like please don't kill that person like oh god nope he's gonna do it he's definitely gonna do it and yeah there's a lot of blood there's a lot of carnage even from the get-go in halloween kills very enjoyable watch for an eight for me, because usually when it gets up into the eight, nines, and tens, I'm not really fully enjoying myself anymore. <laughs> but no, I, I really liked this. How about you? What uh, Friday meter score did you give it? I would give it an eight too. Like Michael Myers is terrifying. It's brutal the way that they do it. You can almost feel the knife. But yeah, they up the ante with the kills in Halloween Kills <laughs> when he's just kind of set loose and just roaming around the town even more. And it's just really interesting to see where they're going to go with this trilogy. Because I do think that these movies, you know, they feel like the same story, and I think that's a smart way to do it. 
mm-hmm. um, instead of making a successful new version of Halloween and then them, them saying, oh, let's get another director to do it. Right. Keeping the same writers and the director to see what they can do with the new story arc mm-hmm. is, is really great. And they keep it scary. You know, they're not yeah. over sensationalizing it. I mean, they, they know what they've got, the pop culture icon of Michael Myers, but there's, they still make it scary and they're not making him necessarily a rock star. Right. He is just like the ultimate boogeyman mm-hmm. in these movies and they're not necessarily putting him on a pedestal. He's just something that has to be dealt with. And because of that and the way that they show him in these new versions, you don't know if he'll be able to be stopped. Right. All right. So that's the end of this list. Um, I will say that there are some really great other movies that we did not talk about. We didn't talk about Trick or Treat, which right. we both love. We will be watching Trick or Treat on no, Halloween. Screw it. Let's talk about Trick or Treat. <laughs> We've watched it enough. We probably could. Let's go another 15 minutes. Go another 15 minutes and talk about <laughs> Trick or Treat. It is the quintessential must-watch Halloween movie, so definitely give it a view. It's a great anthology film. Yeah, new classic. Uh, but it's also very well tied together. You get one of every kind of monster you could possibly want. Mm-hmm. And also the monsters of like, true humans. Indeed. But there are a ton of other movies um, that we probably even didn't scratch the surface of horror movies or movies in general or set on Halloween night. There's a lot of great ones, but we just felt like picking some expected ones and maybe some out of the horror catalog that we haven't seen before Mm -hmm. and some fun ones too. Yeah. While this podcast is partially for you guys, the audience, it's also partially for us to watch things. So we wanted to experience some new things. So here we go. All right. And so our trivia question today. Yeah. It was about Halloween part three, season of the witch. What company kept the masks or what company was selling these masks on the TV show? The five more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Do you remember what it is, Kyle? Yes. Uh, Silver Shamrock. Yep. Silver Shamrock. So if you want more Scary Movie List Show, check us out on Instagram. Give us a follow. See what we posted before or maybe even listen to some past episodes if you're a new listener. But if we don't talk to you, take care. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. You know what? Oh, do you want to? What do you want to? Want a Kit Kat? Let's go. Uh, I don't know. Is there a Rolo in there? Reese oh, cup? Rolo. No, what a Reese cup. Here you okay. go. Oh, I missed. Yeah, I threw it. You, you totally missed it. You kind of threw it at my head. So we're going to sit here and eat all this candy. Happy Halloween again. Thanks for listening. And keep watching movies.